Well, you may be seated. I want to direct your attention to Luke chapter 19. This morning we're going to talk about what happens when you truly are grateful. Because when you truly experience thanksgiving, you are not the same. We, years ago, set up as a nation one day for Thanksgiving, and we've brushed that aside now. Our Thanksgiving is not measured in thankfulness. It's measured in how many pounds we tried to keep from gaining or how many we did gain. And we can't, very, we can't even let people, let clerks have Thanksgiving off to give thanks because we got to get in there and get those specials for Black Friday to start on Thursday. We're a nation never had more and we're never more miserable and we don't give thanks to anybody because we deserve it, right? Everything we have, we work for, pulled ourselves up our own bootstraps and everything we got, we deserve. We've sure changed as a people. There's a man named John Henry Jowett who was a British pastor of another generation. He said this about gratitude. Excuse me a minute. Gratitude, he says, is a vaccine. It's an antitoxin, an antiseptic. What did he mean? When he said it, gratitude is a vaccine, an antitoxin, an antiseptic. He meant that gratitude like a vaccine can prevent the invasion of disgruntled and discouraged spirits. Like antitoxin, gratitude can prevent the effects of the poisons of cynicism and a critical spirit and a grumbling heart. And like antiseptic, the spirit of gratitude can see, soothe and heal the most troubled mind. Luke's gospel records many of the miracles of Jesus' ministry, and from those we learn a lot about Jesus. We also learn a lot about people. Some, the minute they were changed by Jesus, said, I want to go with you, and you know from time to time he'd say, no, go back and tell the priest or go tell your family of the great things God has done for you. In fact, if we had time today, and we don't, but you can do it later today. Luke 18 is a whole chapter just of people coming wanting to see Jesus. I don't know why you came this morning, but goodness, if you sat through that marvelous song service and you didn't see Jesus, I'm so sorry. You missed a great opportunity. If you came seeking him, you'll not leave today disappointed. If you didn't come seeking him, then don't feel, don't feel bitter if you left without him. The Bible says ask and you'll see, receive seek and you'll find. The Bible says seek the Lord while he's near. Call upon him. Uh, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. And so today, I pray you came seeking. In Luke chapter 18, verses 9 to 14, two men were in the temple praying, one a Pharisee and one a tax collector. Both men, in their own way, were seeking God. The Pharisee so grateful that he was so godly that he was not like any of those other sinful people. We, we are that way many times. I sure thank you I'm not like him. God says, I'm not listening because all are sin to come short of the glory of God. Publican beat his breast and said, God, I'm not worthy to even come into your presence. The Bible says he went home rejoicing for God heard his prayer, both men seeking. In Luke chapter 18, verses 15 to 17, people were bringing their children. They said, we want you to remember the day we brought you to meet a man named Jesus. We've never met anybody like him in our region. And, and I want my child to be blessed by his hand and his, his, his voice. But I also want you as a child to remember the day you met Jesus. You sat on his lap. Your mama brought you to him. And thank God for many of us, our mama brought us to Christ. They were seeking Jesus. In Luke chapter 18, verses 18 to 30, there's a rich young ruler. He'd always bought everything he thought. He said, I'll buy into this goodness. I, I want to be an investor. I want stock in that, I want stock in that guy's ministry. And so he came and said, what I got to do to get eternal life? I've kept all the commandments. Jesus said, really? 
Then let's, get, let's give you a pop quiz. Okay, master, give me one. You've kept them all. All the commandments are equal. You could keep any one of them without any hesitation. Yes, sir. And you have great wealth. Yes, sir. Then let's see how you do with this commandment. Thou shalt not covet. Go sell everything you got and come back and we'll talk. The Bible says the young man went away sor- sorrowful for he had great goods, many goods. Bible says in Luke 18, verses 35 to 42, one of the gospels says two men cried out. One tells us the name of at least one of them, Bartimaeus. And Bartimaeus heard that Jesus was coming his way. He cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the people said, be quiet. Good night. He's he's not going to come over here to you. You ever had an opportunity to get to Jesus and somebody say, I wouldn't go. You ever had the opportunity to get your heart right with Jesus? Oh, don't, it's just emotional. Don't, don't, don't get into that emotion of that. He said, you don't need to go to Jesus. Bartimaeus cried louder, Jesus! You ever been so miserable you cried out to God? Oh, God, help me! Did, did you do that ever? Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus said, what do you want me to do? He said, I want my sight. And he left that day rejoicing. Well, Luke 18 is all about seeking Jesus. Luke 19 begins with a man who's seeking Jesus. We've talked about him all our lives. In fact, most of us, we were in church, sang about him before we talked about him. We didn't even know who he was, but we sang about him. I want you to look with me in Luke chapter 19, beginning verse 1. We're going to go through verse 10. The transforming power of gratitude. Luke 19, beginning in verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho. He was passing through. This was not a stop. This was not a preaching ministry where he's going to park. He's on his way to the cross. Luke 19, he's making his last journey from Galilee down to Jerusalem. And he went through, he went over to the side near the Jordan and came down through the city of Jericho on his way to the cross. So he says he's passing through. Verse 2, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and he was rich He was trying to see who Jesus was, but he was not able because of the crowd since he was a short man. So running ahead, running ahead, this wealthy man, this is, this would have made people laugh when they heard the story. This rich man in town, probably the richest, ran ahead. Patriarchs and wealthy people don't run. They send servants to run. Patriarchs stand and let the sons come to them. One patriarch in scripture saw his son afar off and ran to him and fell on his neck and kissed him. Here a publican ran ahead of the crowd and people saying, you're not serious. They, they don't run. They've got servants to run. No, he, he, he ran. He threw away all his dignity and he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus since he's about to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry up. When you meet Jesus, there's an urgency. Some have not met him because some in the room have said, I'm going to do that, but later then you've never met him. But when you come face to face with Christ, it commands action. He said, hurry up. Don't delay. This is the most important appointment you've ever had. He said, hurry up. Hurry up and come down. I must stay, not I want to stay, it's I must stay. So he quickly, quickly came down and he welcomed him joyfully. And all who saw it began to complain. He's gone to lodge with a sinful man. So those who were around in the city, instead of saying, thank goodness that old sinner's going to have face to face with Jesus. How do we sound when somebody gets a blessing we don't get? Well, I don't know why he went home with him. 
I know he's rich and all that, but goodness, we'd have been a lot nicer. At least we're God-fearers. He doesn't fear anybody. I don't know why I'd go talk to him. If he wants to talk to somebody that's good, he could have come to our house. He must not care about the company he keeps. You all know how we are. The Bible says they murmured and said he's gone to lodge with that sinful man. Once he'd been with Jesus, Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, I'll give half my possessions to the poor, Lord. If I've extorted anything from anyone, I'll pay four times back as much. Jesus rejoiced said, Today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. And why did Jesus come? For the Son of Man's come to seek and to save those that are lost. He found him. Just exactly who he'd gone to find, he found him. And Zacchaeus was changed. Jesus was passing through Jericho. I, I've only gotten to go to Jericho one time because it's a Palestinian city. And most often we go with a Jewish company to Israel. And Jewish companies don't go into Palestinian cities because it's too much risk of rock throwing and other things. But the one time I got to go, Jericho is a beautiful place. It's subtropical. That's why in the winter months, people in Jerusalem and the mountains would love to go to Jericho. The same way people here flee to Florida or people in the Northeast go to Florida or somewhere in a warm climate because it's much better if you don't like snow, get somewhere it's warm. Well, Jericho is a subtropical climate, and so it's warm year-round. And it has marvelous produce, some of the sweetest oranges in all the world. I mean, everything that you could imagine can grow there and grows there all the time. And the, and the civilizations there are, are many. If you have been to Jericho or go to Jericho, there's not a set of ruins. There's a whole tell, a whole stack of cities built on cities on cities for thousands of years. So every time the city would collapse, they'd take the ruins and build another one. It'd collapse, and they just kept building on the same site in ancient Jericho. If you get your map out, you'll notice Galilee is divided on, if you look at Israel, it's divided with the Jordan River. And so Galilee is up here in the north, and then you have Samaria in the middle, and you have Judah in the south where Jerusalem is. And so if you go over toward, if you go over toward the east and come to the Jordan River, you're going to come right down the Jordan River, and you're going to hit the city of Jericho. So Jesus wasn't going straight through Samaria. He kind of made his way over toward, toward the Jordan and came down the skirting edge to come over to Jericho on the Jericho Road that you've sung about if you ever sang gospel music. He's heading for the last time where he's going to die on the cross, and he went there. The Bible says he was passing through, but you notice he had an appointment Sometimes you go out of your way. If you say, well, we need to stop here just a minute. I've got a business call. Before we go to grandma's house, I need to stop in and give this man something. Or I need to check with this customer. I need to go to that hospital. And so you'll go kind of this way to go that way. And Jesus will come in this way to go that way. He said, I have a reason to go to Jericho. I must needs go to Jericho. Why? I don't have anybody to heal there. And I don't have a sermon waiting on me. And I don't have a week-long crusade. But there's a man there. Maybe that's why he's come to church today to see you. Maybe it's not for the masses. Maybe it's for the man. Maybe it's not for everybody. It's for that one woman. Why did he come today to First Baptist? I don't know. In the invitation, we may find out. The Bible said he came there just to see one man as he was passing through. His name was Zacchaeus. And you know what Zacchaeus means? Pure one. Don't you know when people said that of this old tax collector, they'd spit pure. <laughs> He's anything but pure. Boy, did his mama miss it. His life sure didn't measure up. Anybody going to say something of you? If you said, I'm a Christian, do they snicker? If you say, I, I, I know Jesus, do they, do they go, oh, brother. That doesn't ever happen, I hope, does it to anybody? 
See, sometimes we claim names that we don't represent well. We declare what we are and we're not. If I said to you, I'm a jogger, you hurt my feelings. Why are you laughing? I run to every table I can find that's got food on it. I've got the land speed record in our house. Forklifting is my mastery. Now I do live that well. But if I said I'm a jogger, you say, preacher, we got reason to doubt your credibility. When Zacchaeus said his name, people would snicker and laugh and say, pure, I don't think so. By the way, why did Zacchaeus live in the very town where he's gathering taxes? Because that's the way the Romans wanted it. See, if Rome sent an agent from Rome to a village or to a city, the, the, the outsider doesn't know the people. And so they might well trick him and say, I don't have that much. And he wouldn't know. So he said, okay, here's your fee. But if you live in the city and you've been in the city all your life and you know all the people, and Rome says, we'll make it worth your while to tax these people. He knows them. And they say, you, can go, you know who's wealthy and you get the extra portion of them. You know who really can't do more, but you still squeeze them for all they, they're worth and we'll make it worth your while. So Rome would say, whatever the amount was, and it wasn't cheap, but let's say 30% tax. They'd say, we want 30% of all the taxes. Now, whatever you get above that, you can keep. So taxes weren't 30%, they were 40 or 45 or 50 to the point the people felt like they were crushed. Kind of like we feel today sometimes. And the Bible says this man, Zacchaeus, lived there, but he wasn't just a tax collector. He was the chief tax collector. So, so what does that mean? Many of you are in those sales groups where you have people working under you, and every time they sell something, you get a benefit, and then you get a benefit from what you sell, and everybody you recruit, you get a benefit. That's like the tax system. Zacchaeus said, I've got this many people working for me, and oh boy, I am doing good. Never had more, more people out in all the region working for old Zacchaeus, and buddy, when tax season comes, it all rolls into me. Plus, Jericho was a central city that connected east and west. So, so people wanted to come from the east, headed west of the Mediterranean. They're going to come through Jericho. Guess what? Not only am I the tax collector for all the people, I'm the tax collector for all the traffic headed to the sea. And from the sea inland, I am doing really good. You see, tax collectors, and forgive me, we probably have some in here, so I'm going to just touch on this and move on. But, but see, tax collectors are good at what they do. In fact, they can measure right down to the least amount to say, well, now, I'm sorry, you don't get a deduction on that anymore. You don't get a deduction. No, you owe this much. And then you take a deep breath and say, how about a kidney and my firstborn, right? I mean, that takes a lot. You heard about the man some years ago was traveling in another country and he saw a little child start choking. He ran to mom, what's wrong? He said, he swallowed a coin and it's, it's hung in his throat. And the man grabbed him by the ankles and shook him and shook him and shook him. And in a minute, that coin rolled out and hit the pavement. And the mother said, oh, thank you so much. You must be a doctor. No, ma'am, I work for the IRS. You, you know, they, 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 can, they, they can get it. And Zacchaeus was good at getting it, wasn't he? The Bible said he was very, very, very wealthy but he wanted to see Jesus. You know, the amazing thing, sometimes we just give up on people so that they wouldn't, they wouldn't want Jesus. You know why? Because they've got one objection. We're, we're, one of the, we're the first generation to let Barney Fife destroy us in witnessing. Most time, his gun's not even loaded. But he says one thing that drives off most Christians. You say, well, I tried, but he didn't, he didn't want to know. He shot one bullet. 
We quit. He, he didn't really want to know. I, I just watch you. I watch her. They, they wouldn't want to know. Zacchaeus was as miserable as it gets in the way he lived. But in his heart, he said, I sure would like to see this. I'd like to see this rabbi. I wonder why. Maybe curiosity, but I don't think so. When, when you got money, hearing about him is enough. If you don't have a heart for spiritual things, I, I, even curiosity, I'm not going to go out of the way to see him. He's a rabbi. I don't care about rabbis. Why do, you, why do you want to see him? Because I truly believe in everybody's heart, there's a hole that's God-sized. And I think when Zacchaeus heard, that rabbi changes people. That, that rabbi makes people different. And if I could just meet, if I could just meet him, I, I believe he could do something for me. These people hate me. I'm in my own hometown. It said he was from there. They know me and they hate me. My mom and daddy didn't rear me to be hated. They reared me to be somebody. And even my mama named me my pure little one. I'm far from pure and I've made everybody angry. If I could just meet him, maybe there's somebody here saying, my life's a wreck. Anybody? Where I'm headed is not good. and I, I'm, I'm miserable. I, I'm like a bell without a clapper. I, I go through life's motions, but there's no meaning. There's no joy. There's no purpose. I, I sure wish I could be changed by Jesus. Well, you're in the right house. The Bible says, Zacchaeus said, I want to see him more than anything else. The problem was he was short. Now, that doesn't just mean physically. He was short morally. He didn't mind taking your money. I wonder how many widows had said, Zacchaeus, I don't have it. And it's me and my son, and I, I can't work, and I'm living on alms myself. He said, here's what you owe. Don't give me your story. Zacchaeus, I don't have it. I, I, I had a bad crop this year, and I just don't have it. I don't want to hear your story. You know what the tax is. Pay it. See, Zacchaeus didn't have any trouble hurting others. But even people are good at handing out pain. Many times hand out pain because they live in pain. When a dog's got his foot in a trap and you're trying to get him out, who's he going to bite? You say, but I'm trying to help him. That's right, but who's closest you parents, when the child is really having a hard time, they're struggling, and you try to help them, leave me alone. Why'd they do that? I'm trying to help you. Anybody here? I don't want you, God. I've had enough of you. I just come to church because my wife wants me to. I don't need your help. I've had your help. Look at the mess I'm in. Anybody here? So, see, there are people that are bitter, but they're bitter at the wrong person. Zacchaeus said, I'm bitter at myself. I've made a mess of my life. I sure wish I could see Jesus. You know what the Bible says? Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Zacchaeus said, more than anything else, I sure wish I could see Jesus. He was short physically. He was short morally. He was short in relationships. Why? They wouldn't let him in to see Jesus. Now, I've told you this a thousand times, but here's a thousand one. See, I know people that are short stature. And when I come to something at the church or something in a, in a public area, if I, if I see somebody short stature, even a child, I'll say, come here, let him stand in front of me. Let her stand in front of me. I can see, put him right. In fact, mama, you come stand here. You're short. I can see over you. See, if you feel regard for people, you don't mind saying, well, let me step back. I'm taller. You stand in front of me. Nobody said to that short man, you can stand in front of me. I'm not letting him stand near me. Anybody here ever come to church and say, not one person here really cares if I show up tomorrow. Some of you come in last, late and leave early and say, nobody spoke to me. Well, if you come in the singing and leave the invitation, when are they going to talk to you? Some of you never in a small group. 
Well, I don't know why that church isn't friendly to me. Do you ever avail yourself of a small group? No. Are you in any music ministry? No. Are you in any mission ministry? No. But they don't speak to me. Well, when you come in late and leave early, I want to give you a promise. We ain't talking to you. Zacchaeus could be around the crowd, but be lonely. You know, you can be sitting in the middle of a packed house and be dying of loneliness. Anybody want to give you testimony? Well, Zacchaeus wasn't going to be kept from seeing Jesus. I wish the church today and people outside the church had that kind of hunger and say, nobody's going to keep me from him. On that day, he broke all protocol. Now, here's a wealthy man. I, I don't know what the designer garment was. Then I know purple was, this, was of royalty. I know it was very costly. So he likely had a purple robe and likely gold dangly bracelets and a gold necklace and whatever designer sandals there were, he had them on. And whoever made the greatest turban in town, he had it on. I mean, he's looking good. And here's that man grabs his robe. Now, this is a silly picture if you think about it. Here's a man with all this wealth, all this money, and he grabs that robe, and he hikes that leg, and he's running down the street. Here's the And they're saying, where in the world? What is, is that Zacchaeus? What is that little midget doing? What in the world? What's he up to? I mean, they're cackling. You would if you thought about it. What if we heard the richest man in America was seen up a tree? <laughs> I don't know who that is now. I lose track of it. But let's say a Bill Gates goes to a public event in Washington and couldn't see, so he climbs a tree and he's looking down on the parade. You'd say, Bill Gates? What's he doing up a tree? Now you know how they felt when they saw Zacchaeus. He's running by them, breaks all protocol. He disregarded his dignity. He ran ahead of the crowd, which was not common, and he climbed a tree. By the way, how many of y'all climbed a tree this week for Thanksgiving? Let's see. You know I wasn't even tempted. Were you? Now at six, maybe. At 67, uh-uh. The Bible says he climbed a tree and he was, he was a man. Now, sycamore trees are not the same as America. It says sycamore fig. They grew about 40 feet tall and they got limbs everywhere. So climbing was like, I got to get around the trunk and finally get the lowest limb. No, limbs are low. So you could climb up several limbs and still it's almost like a ladder. You know, some limbs are so close on some trees, you just kind of step up, step up. You got where you can see branches are everywhere. The Bible says he knew Jesus was going to come by that way. Y'all grew up in a small town. You have one red light. Did you not have a red light? Did you have a store? Some of y'all really grew up out there, didn't you? Did you have a post office? Any y'all grow up? Let's just see your hands. I mean, I, see, some, sometimes we grow up in these real small communities, and there's only one stoplight, and the main drag through town is the main highway. You don't have to say, well, if somebody's coming through my little town, I wonder which, I wonder which route they'll take. How many routes are there? Roughly, class, how many? Very good, one. So, so when Zacchaeus said, I know which way he's coming through town, it wasn't because they had a bypass and an interstate and, and, and a main, main drag and then a, a side street with several attractions. Jericho was a small city, had one main drag. And he said, if I get to that sycamore tree right down there, he's going to come right under it. Let them have their time. I'm going to get to where they're not going to buy and I'll at least see him. He gets up the tree and he's waiting for Jesus. But you know, through history, people have worked real hard to get to Jesus. And they never let difficulty stop them until the modern era. Today, we've got pride and we've got our dignity and we've got our excuses. We've got our past to think of. We've got our family. We have our position. We have our friends that'd be embarrassed. You know, we come up with more excuses. Through the years, many got to Jesus. 
I remember one man's paralyzed. He couldn't even get to Jesus. Four men said, we'll get you there. When's the last time four of us cared enough about anybody to bring them to Jesus? I think about a woman with issue of blood. That has to be miserable. I can't imagine, especially back then with hygiene like it was. Been suffering that way for 12 years. The ruler of the synagogue, Jairus, said, Jesus, if you come help my little girl, she's 12, and I think she's dying. There was another woman in the crowd who'd been dying for 12 years. He'd enjoyed 12 years of health and happiness, little girl, and suddenly she was sick to death. And this woman said, I've not been able to go to the synagogue or the temple or public places because this issue of blood, I have no freedom for social life. And she did the unthinkable. See, back then, women didn't touch a rabbi. She, she, she broke all protocol. I wouldn't tell you, but it's in Scripture. She, bro- she broke all the rules. The Bible said Jesus taking his prayer shawl. I told you this before. They had tassels. The Bible said throw the tassels up over his shoulders. And when they did, it looked like wings. The Bible says in one of the Christmas carols, he comes with healing in his wings. Meaning when you throw that prayer shawl over and the tassels are right there at your shoulder blade, it's easy to touch those in a crowd. When he passed by Jesus, she did the unthinkable. She didn't touch his body. She touched the tassel, the prayer connection with God Almighty, the source of his spiritual power. She touched that tassel, and suddenly she was made whole, and Jesus sensed the power go from him. And here's Jairus saying, hurry, hurry through the crowds. My little girl, he says, can't go right now. Hang on a minute. Have you ever been in an emergency and the ambulance stopped for maintenance? You ever been in an emergency and the police car stop and say, excuse me, I've gotten another call. We'll get to your need in a minute. Let me take this call. Jesus was the EMT. He says, time out. We're not going, we're not going right now. Pardon me. I got there for my daughter. Did I tell you my daughter's dying? This woman had been suffering for a long time. Who, who touched me? Now you say, well, why did he ask? Because if all I'm going to do is reaching out and touching. See, we've always had the feeling that he reached out when she touched the hem of his garment that she got down on her knees. If you're in a major crowd and you're on your knees, people tripping over you, you don't have to say, who touched me? It's that woman down there is getting stepped on. Some of you have tried an, an anonymity to touch Jesus. I, I don't want my friends to know. I, I'm going to keep it a secret. I love Jesus, but I'm not being baptized. I, I wouldn't dare make that public. Why? You don't believe in bathing? Opposed to swimming? Afraid water is going to move through your pores and drown you from the inside out? I'm a Christian, but boy, nobody at my work knows. Really? You've been there how long? 23 years this month, and nobody in 23 years? Some of you try to touch an anonymity, haven't you? Because you're ashamed of what they might say if they found out you're one of his. Bible says people tried every way in the world to get to Jesus. Amazing thing about Zacchaeus, he's like many people today in America. They have great riches, but no meaningful relationships. He had great prestige and privilege, but no popularity to share it. He sure had a great house, but there wasn't a home in it. They had great respect but no righteousness. He knew what he needed. He needed what Jesus had to give. In the days of John the Baptist, before Jesus' ministry became public, even it says publicans and sinners, tax collectors and sinners came to John the Baptist and said, Teacher, what should we do? 
In other words, you're talking repentance. What, what do you, we're tax collectors. What do we do? And in Luke chapter 3, verse 13, he says, collect no more than what you're authorized. Uh-oh. So you're saying if the Rome says they need 30%, we stop at 30%? He said, you ask me. Then some soldiers asked him, what do we do? He said, don't take money by force or false accusation. Be content with your wages. Be content. Oh, my. In a minute, Jesus came right to where Zacchaeus was. See, Zacchaeus had made the effort when he ran. He, 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 hiked, that, he hiked that very valuable robe, probably the purple, purple cloak he had around it, maybe a purple sash. And he ran down the street in designer sandals and gold, gold, gold braces bangling and jangling in the wind. And he climbs up a tree thinking, if I could just see him, I'll be happy. You see, some of you came and said, if I could just hear a good song today, I, I just love music. I'll be happy. Well, your cup's full then. You heard it, didn't you? Some say, well, if I could just see John or Mary, you know, I've been trying to catch them and I think they'll be there. To, if I could see them, I'll be happy. Well, I hope you catch them. But some of you, not everybody, some of you said, I desperately need to see Jesus. The Bible says Zacchaeus ran ahead, hiked those robes, and he ran ahead. And then of all things, he's got a minute, so he climbs up the tree just high enough. Now, you don't want to climb high because you've got to come down, secondly. But first, if you, the higher you are, the, just like a... Upper, upper level of a football stadium, you can see the game, but boy, you need binoculars. If you're low-hanging limb, you can see him, and boy, he's just right there, and so it's pretty close eye contact. And here's Zacchaeus sitting on the tree limb, out on the limb. That's where some of you live, isn't it? 113 Limb Street. Been hanging out there a while, haven't you? Boy, I hope, I hope, I hope this isn't the week it all comes down. Our finances are tight right now. I tell you, I squeak when I walk. I, I'm, I, hope, I hope they don't call this week. I hope my wife doesn't find that site on my computer this week. Some of us live in great fear of what might happen. Zacchaeus got his desire. He saw Jesus coming, and he was amazed when Jesus called him by name. And Zacchaeus said, you know my name? Can you imagine asking that of Jesus? You know me? <laughs> Do I know you? Before you ever were, Zacchaeus, you were on my heart. I knit you together in your mother's womb. How close you got to be, women, to do knitting. I knit you together in my, your mother's womb. Before you ever lived one day of your life, I knew every one of them, including this one. Before your mother ever named you pure one, I knew the journey you were going to take. I knew how far you were going to run from what you were taught to be. I knew how you'd fall so much in love with money, you lost sight of everything else that had meaning. I knew that you'd be in Jericho, and I knew you'd extort those good people for all they're worth. And I knew the day would come when I'd meet you face to face. Zacchaeus, I know the number of the hairs of your head. I know every motive of your heart. I never know every thought you ever had, and I know the words on your lips before they're ever formed. I know your uprising and your downsitting. I know when you walk in the way and when you sit in your house, I am with you and know you everywhere you've ever been, knowing your name is a piece of cake. Zacchaeus, have you heard Jesus call your heart lately? Is it a local call? Zacchaeus, 
That kind of gives you chill bumps to think about it, doesn't the Son of God who's been there for forever past and to the age of the ages to come, who's the King of glory, robed in flesh, at the foot of a tree, and you think you're hiding in the limbs like Adam hiding in the brush? Zacchaeus? wonder what it sounds like when Jesus calls you by name. Zacchaeus? The one who has power to create the universe in a word. Zacchaeus? The one who at his word could make a paralytic walk. The one who could make blind eyes see. The one who could raise Lazarus from the dead. Zacchaeus? I don't think he calls you but one time. What do you think? The word was made flesh. And in this moment, the word of the living God was speaking his very name that had been given to a boy as a baby. Pure one? What? The people are saying, what? Pure one? Who's he talk- Who's up there in the tree with Zacchaeus? Pure one? Me? Hurry up. Your, your daddy... Your daddy ever get weary because you're not coming in when you should? Do you say, no, just take your time. Whenever you're willing, we're ready for you to come into dinner, but don't let me rush you. What kind of daddy did you have? That's the kind mine was. Nick, come down right now. I never, I never bartered for more time. Some of you have been bartering with Jesus far too long acting like you have the world at your disposal and God is your waiting party hurry up Zacchaeus how many times has he got a call before you come can I share with you something I don't believe anybody has the right to hear the gospel twice when there's so many who've never heard it once how many times you heard it How many more chances do you think God ought to give you to be called merciful, patient, long-suffering? Zacchaeus, come down now. I must, did you hear that? I must go home with you. Did you hear? Don't, don't, don't dismiss that. Hurry up, Zacchaeus. I'm passing through town. I've got a cross waiting on me. The whole of eternity is waiting for me in Jerusalem. Don't dilly-dally, son. I've got the weight of the world on my shoulders. Don't don't tell me later. There won't be a later. If you don't come this trip, there's not a second trip. I'm not coming down the Jericho Road view a second time. Zacchaeus, come down now. I I think when God speaks and you know it's his voice, there's an urgency. I will not wait till tomorrow. I've waited too long. I'll not presume on his grace another moment, another day, another week. I, I I would not chance hell. Because I said no when I had the opportunity. Please don't say no. Please don't. Zacchaeus, hurry up, son. Hurry up. Do you hear your daddy? Jesus, like our heavenly father, is merciful, but not his patience does have a limit. Hurry up now. Come down. And then look at, I must. Why is that in that imperative? I must. Zacchaeus, I didn't come to heal a leper in, in Jericho. I didn't come to raise the dead in Jericho. I didn't come to give blind eyesight in Jericho. I didn't come to multiply loaves and fishes in Jericho. I didn't come to heal a paralytic in Jericho. I came to help a man get back to his true, the true meaning of his mama's given name, pure one. 
I got to go to your house. You're my divine appointment, Zacchaeus. Don't you look pretty silly sitting up the tree, Liam, where you're hiding, acting as if I don't need him? Don't you think it's time you listen and say, I'm ready? I won't put it off again, Lord. Call my name today and I'll not put it off. And the Bible says he came down. And when he did, he went home with Jesus. Now, there's an amazing thing that happens. This man spent his whole life extorting money and taking money. He was amazed. He, he, he wants to go to my house. I, I got to tell you, I've been a pastor now 47 years. I got to tell you, if Jesus were to show up bodily today and he won't come back like this, and I know it and I know that, when he comes, we're going to go to be with him, he won't come home with us. But as much as I love him and as much as I want to serve him and as much as I, much as I want to see him, if he came today in bodily form and came to this altar and said, Nick, come down here, come down here, son. I, I, I'm going home with you today. Come here, son. I got to tell you, I, I, I'd be happy, but I'd be quivering. You, you mean the Lord of glory going to eat at my table? The, the Lord of glory, glory wants to sit in my family room. Can I tell you what? He already is. He was there yesterday. He was there the day before. He'll be there today at lunch. He'll be there this evening. He'll be with you tomorrow at work. You can't go anywhere he is not. The Bible says Zacchaeus came down and said, This holy man, none of you, he could think in his mind, he had to be thinking, none of you even speak to me. He called me by name. None of you want anything to do with me. He came right to where I was. By the way, he's right there in that aisle by you, right there in the seat in front of you. He's right there. He came to right where I was. And while I thought I was kind of hidden in those branches, he didn't wonder where I came right to where I was. Zacchaeus, he called me by name. Hurry up, hurry up, son. I got to go to your house. He, he came as if I was the whole purpose for his visit. And he was. And the Bible says, when I came down, he went home with me, and there was just something about him. Have you been with Jesus? There's just something about him. I both wanted to be in his presence and I was terrified to be in his presence. I, I, loved, I loved the look in his face and yet it's like he looked through me to my very soul. I, I loved his voice and yet it was like the voice of thunder. I, I was drawn to his personality and yet it was as if he knew my personality from the inside out. I, I longed for his compassion yet I was terrified to get that close. I, I've never had that kind of mixed emotions. I, I, I loved him and yet I, I dreaded that moment with him. For in that moment I saw myself undone. I saw myself as nobody had ever made me feel. I'd never cowered in the face of the richest man. I'd say to him, pay your taxes or deal with Rome. But when he talked to me, I didn't, I didn't talk back. I just listened. And when he began to unfold righteousness, all I felt was my unworthiness. And we talked about God of glory. All I felt was my, my sinfulness. And when he talked about the splendor of forgiveness, I realized my desperate need I was so far from God, I hadn't been forgiven by anybody for anything, and I didn't even remember when. And this man would said to me, I'll forgive you, Zacchaeus. If you'll trust me, I'll give you another chance. I'll forgive you, and I'll come in your heart, and I'll live in you. 
And the minute he heard that, do you know what? When you really come to know Christ, you know what you think of first? When you come in his presence, you know what you think of first? Your besetting sin. Most people, when they come to Jesus, they don't say, well, I want to start back when I was seven and kind of go through the list of all my sins. No, 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 no. First of all, in that moment, you're so overwhelmed that he wants to talk to you. You go straight to the one that right now is crippling your life. When the adulterous woman thought she was going to die, and Jesus said, go your way and sin no more, she didn't say, well, now, which sins are you talking about? She knew exactly what he meant. That's where our, our generation is missing. Well, he made me this way. I'll do what I want to. You don't even know him. See, when David was confronted by Nathan and he said, you're the man, he didn't say, he didn't say what? I, what did I do? He immediately knew I'm the adulterer and I deserve death against thee and the only of us sinned. When Jesus confronted Zacchaeus, he didn't say, well, now, which sin exactly are you talking to me about? You don't need a list. If you met Jesus, there's one primary something or two primary somethings between you and his face every time you get down to pray. And when you get right with God, it's that besetting sin that pops up like a cork out of the water when you're fishing with a cane pole. Zacchaeus said, Lord... I tell you my besetting sin, I, I've been, I, I've taken advantage of people. I know that. I think of that little lady down the street and she wept in my presence just yesterday and I told her, get out of my office. I, I thought of that poor lady who's got two children, her husband's dead and I've made her life miserable. I think of that young couple just married and he's doing all he can to make it. And I told him, you pay your taxes or you go away for a long time. I don't have to ask you my besetting sin, Lord. Oh, I'm vulgar and I'm mean-spirited and I'm ugly. I don't have any compassion for people. All that's true, but it really causes greed. Anybody here? Now, you wouldn't admit it, but when the house of God's giving is diminished and the people of God are doing real well, I wonder what our besetting sin is. Roughly. He said, God, I don't hate you to list all my sins. I, 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 I've not helped poor people at all. In fact, I've, I've, I've lived a good life on their backs. Jesus, when I met you, I realized I got to change. So here's the deal. I'm going to get rid of my sin. I, I'm going to give half of everything I own to the poor. Now, that's a pretty generous gift. I don't care if you're poor folks. If you give half of what you own, that's a big gift. In Jesus' presence, suddenly that money didn't near mean much as, near as much as a relationship with the master. We guard that money. Boy, we guard it, don't we? We're, we're guarding it, and you're going to give an account for it. Lord, here's half. I, I want to say up front, half of that goes back, and I'm going to help poor people. Jesus just sat there. You see, when you're in his presence, he doesn't have to say anything. You're self-convicted. Jesus didn't say anything else. I mean, you'd think he's a Zacchaeus, that's one. He never opened his mouth. Lord, I'm going to give half of what I got to the poor. And then he said this, and Lord, I've extorted money. What's extortion? When you take more than what's rightfully yours. He said, I knew what the Roman amount was, but boy, I sure jacked that up where I, you see where I live. 
You see the servants I got. You see the chariot I drive. You see how people step out of the way when I walk down the street. I've lived off the backs of the poor, and I've broken the backs of working men. I can't live with myself. Anybody here feel convicted about anything? If you do, you say, I can't stand me. People so often say, well, I don't know why you became, I don't know why you went to Christ, because I couldn't stand me any longer. Zacchaeus said, Lord, I'm going to give four times. <laughs> Wait a minute, I, I must have missed something. Didn't he just give half of everything he owned to the poor? Didn't he just, I'm going to give half. to? So, so now I'm working with half of the half. I, I don't, help me, help me. I, I probably have forgotten I'm old. How, how many in our church have ever given half of anything to the Lord? How, let's go beyond it. In, in, in your circle, who do you know ever gave half? I mean, that's a major gift. I'm not being ugly. I'm just saying, who, who do you know has ever given that? And then Zachary said, but I'm not finished. Wait, 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 wait. You got to be finished. That's half of all you own. No. I not only broke the backs of the poor with my meanness, I've taken a lot of money from good, hard-working people. And I'll tell you what, everybody I've extorted money from, I'm going to give them back four times. You ever notice when somebody truly meets Jesus, that song comes true. All to Jesus I surrender. All to Him I, what? Freely give. I will ever love and serve Him in His presence daily live. I surrender all. Is that, is that where we live? Jesus said, I'm so glad today salvation has come to this man's house. <laughs> and then verse 10 is the summary. See, so verse 10 is the summary of the whole thing. He said, I, I had to go to Jericho because one man named Zacchaeus, pure one, get him restored, saved. And then here's what it says. Jesus said, I've come to seek and to save those that are lost. He said, exhibit A. Salvation Day came to this house. I must needs go to Jericho. And I, I went to the base of the sycamore tree. And I called Zacchaeus down. And I went to his house. And in my presence, he confessed his brokenness over hurting poor people. And his brokenness over taking and holding money wasn't his. And, and he got right with God. How do I know? Because the thing that was his idol was dashed and smashed. And Jesus said, salvation. Salvation's come. Some years ago, there were four Bible students living in a city going to Bible college, and they didn't have anything, but they'd rent an apartment trying to get through school. And there was one old man knocked on their door one Saturday morning, and he, boy, he's pitiful. His eyes were kind of glazed and just disheveled, hair not combed, and clothes bagging. Obviously, smelled. He was not clean, but he had some pitiful little old vegetables. He said, I'm trying to sell these. Would you like some? And they looked at him and thought, goodness, those are pitiful, but they realized Probably the way he made a living. So they said, here, we'll buy a few of those. Well, when you buy from somebody that doesn't have much, they're going to find, they like fish, you know, they're going to come back to the bait. And so the following Saturday morning, they were there, he was there again. He knocked on the door. And again, will you buy some of these vegetables? We kept coming. So finally one said, he said, come on in, have a cup of coffee. And he seemed extremely grateful. They got to talking to him. He said, well, I really just live down the street. You know where that little shack is on two, two blocks down on the corner? Yeah, I know right where that is. They told him. And they said, well, what do you do? He said, well, I get these vegetables just around where people mainly are discarding them, and I find them, and I put them. They're still edible, and so I try to sell enough just to get by. 
And, and so the boys got to look in his shoes were not only the, his shoes were not only pitiful, they were two of the same foot for the same foot. And the hole, holes were in both shoes. They didn't even fit right and then the holes in the bottom. And they really couldn't take him too long in the house because his odor, he just wasn't clean. So the boys decided, that here's what they thanks you. And they said, you know, to, to, be, to show our gratitude, let, let's get a box and we'll just, and honestly, stuff it with some clothes, winter clothes and some, some long underwear. And we'll put, you know, several sizes of shirts so he can, you know, kind of wear whatever he wants to at home or other places. We'll give him a nice coat or two and some gloves and a toboggan. And, and we'll just leave it on his door anonymously. And they were so proud of themselves. They got this box and, buddy, they spent what money they got and they loaded that box up as a thank you just to put it on that man's on that man's porch and that very next morning of Thanksgiving weekend, he knocked on their door and he came in and sat down. They realized he had a different smile on his face. I'm going to just read this to you because it's just so good. One Saturday morning, right in the middle of all their time with him, he said, God's so good. And they all agree, yeah, God really is good. You know why God's so good? They said, Why? Yesterday, when I got up, opened my door, there were boxes full of clothes and shoes and coats and gloves. God is so good. And the boys smiled like, yeah, he is. And we helped him do that. And they said, yeah, God really is so good. He went on and said, you know why God's so good? They answered, well, you already told us. Well, what more is there to say? He said, because there's a family that lives right down the street from me with small children who needed those things much more than me. And I was able to give them what they needed because of what God had provided for me. I gave all those clothes away to the family. And when they saw that box of clothes, they all wept. God's so good to me. I'm a debtor. to a God who's been far more gracious and grace, kind and giving than I deserve. But that's why it's called mercy and grace. Mercy keeps me from getting what I deserve. And grace gives me what I don't deserve. I met Jesus this week in my office. I was ashamed. For out of all that he's done, I got to looking back at my life and thinking how often I've been short, stingy, critical. Jesus and I had a set tea. He called me down out of my lofted limb. I got to meet with him. He restored my soul, strengthened my heart, put my gaze back on his face. I pray that today and the days to come, I'll live like a pure one of God, walking with him in all the gratitude that's befitting one who's been richly blessed. I may be the only one that needed to meet Jesus today. Maybe. Probably not. 
But when I went back to that little old story of a wee little man, I realized the short person in my office was me. Short of gratitude, short in service, short in honor, short. But then I realized I'm in bad company. But when I read the scripture, it says all have sinned and are short of the glory of God. What, what would you give today to Jesus? Your heart? Your life? Some of your income? Your time, which is so precious? your gifts that you use in the world that could be used for the kingdom, hurrying come down. The Lord's in the house. Please don't miss him. Stand with me, would you? Father, to the best of my ability today, I've told the story that we've known since we were children, but goodness, it pierced my own heart this week as I studied the pure one named Zacchaeus. I realized how good you've been to us. And Zacchaeus said, I'm wealthy, so are we. By the world's standards, we're kings. And yet so often we murmur and grumble and fuss and complain, and we have every reason to praise and shout and rejoice. I believe that those today that say, I came to give, I, I, I didn't just come to take. I came today to give, to give my heart, give my allegiance, to give my sins and lay them down on the altar to give my desire to seek God, to give my heart in submission and service, to give of my money that the kingdom can expand and the church not be in poverty, to give. Zacchaeus, when he met Jesus, didn't have to say, now, we're going to pass the plate. Zacchaeus said, no, I know my sin. I've sinned with money. I took what wasn't mine. I've hurt people because I didn't give as I should. I'm going to correct that today. Father, I believe there are folks today ready to correct things with you. Please draw us near. Speak to us. If you're one of those in the room this morning that says, Brother Nick, I need to do business with God. Would you just step out from where you are and come to this altar? I want to pray for you. Brother Nick, I really need to do business with God. Don't delay because preacher's gone long again. Say, Brother Nick, I just need to do business with God. Would you just step out, maybe bring your wife or your husband? Can we just make this Sunday of Thanksgiving weekend a time of giving up to the Lord what's worthy of Him, ourselves, our lives, our attitudes, our spirit, our homes, our families, our income? You say, Brother Nick, I just want to come pray. I, I want to ask God to bless me and help me. If you'll come, I'm going to pray for us right now. Will you do it?